Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Ire, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Hallelujah. Alright, this afternoon I want to teach on prophecy. I'm going to make the introduction make what many people will call a deviation but it's not a deviation as you would find out talk about tongues for a bit and then conclude on prophecy more specifically again hallelujah you see the bible opens us up to a story a story of the beginning of the world the creation of the earth it says in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth the earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. And then it tells us, God said, let there be light. We know what it takes to provide electricity, even a bulb or any light source. But we are not told that God connected any wire or did any such thing. The Bible says he said, let there be light and there was light. So now we are learning something about nature. We're learning that everything we see around us is voice activated. We may think that science only tapped into this possibility later. But actually, it was the first science in the world that voice can impact and influence matter. Let there be light and there was light. Let the firmament be separated from the waters below. Let water be gathered together in one place, let dry land appear. All of this by words. And now you're reading that and you're overwhelmed. You're like, God, what a wonder you are. You know, if you ever get the privilege to fly a plane, look from up there downwards, you, you, see, you see, you behold the wonders of the earth, or you're by the beach, and you see those mighty waves. And you're just like, whoever did this must be all powerful. He must be all. And to think that he, he only had to speak. Are you paying attention? But then something interesting happens. For the course of salvation God takes on flesh to dwell amongst us in his normal fashion just like in the beginning he sees a fig tree he wants fruit from it he comes close to it he sees no fruit and he said just picture this imagine you were there and you saw a man talking to a tree picture this are you with me so he, he's, he pointed at the tree. 
Come on here. And it says, from today, nobody will eat fruit of you. And everybody heard. You see, one thing about the demonstration of faith is you have to be bold enough to do it to the hearing of others. When Paul and Silas prayed and sang, the Bible says the prisoners heard them. When Jesus spoke to the tree, the Bible says the disciples heard him. Be bold to make that declaration, that demonstration of faith in the presence of people. You see, there is a kind of vulnerability that you must have. Otherwise, you're not going to see the miraculous at work in your life. You must be foolish enough to be willing to do it and watch people mock you. You can't keep demonstrating faith in the corner of your room. Come out and talk. Are you listening to me? Oh, and I bet you they will soon start taking you seriously. Eventually, they will say, he said it. He said it. After a while, they will start covering your mouth so that they will make sure whatever you're going to say, you really mean. <laughs> because even your jokes will become so... <laughs> Hallelujah. So now, Jesus spoke to the tree. When they were passing that same route later, Peter saw the tree. Just hours ago, literally, this tree was alive with green leaves. And now, this tree is dried up from the roots. He, he, he couldn't, you know, he couldn't hide his surprise. He, he, he said, the tree that you spoke to is dried up from the roots. Can, you, can I tell you this? We all can understand that. We know who Jesus is. We know who he is. And that was just another simple proof of who he was and who he is. But here is the surprising part. Jesus says, oh, this is little. He says, if you would say unto this mountain. Listen, so he's telling us <laughs> that God has made us to be capable of function, functioning at his level of creative ability. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is a big revelation. We understand, oh, God is all-powerful. When he says it, whatever he says, it happens. And, but we see Jesus demonstrating this creative ability, and everybody is surprised, and he says, oh, guess what? You can do it too. You can do it too. If you say unto this mountain, you know, a lot of people preach with that sermon and they say, oh, your sickness is a mountain. Oh, your job and the difficulty therein is a mountain. No, 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 no. Context. He had just spoken to a tree. So if he's saying, if you say unto this mountain, context suggests he was talking about an actual humongous mountain. You think it's cool that I spoke to a tree? You can speak to anything. Are you with me? And so it's very cool to see God training his boys how to function like him. The Bible tells us in Ezekiel chapter 37 that God let this prophet to a valley of dry bones. And God says to him, 
can these dry bones live? <laughs> and he looked at it. He said, God, thou knowest. In modern day language, God, now you know. Now you know, now you know. <laughs> and God corrects him. He said, don't talk like that. Speak to the bones. Hallelujah. This is how to walk with God. This is how to see miracles in your life. Don't Ezekiel probably listened to popular sermons that told him, oh, God, you know, God knows when God is ready, he would do it. You know, all this hopeful general stuff people say. And God is teaching him to take specific action. You know, no, no, don't say I know. Don't say I know. Speak. Notch the person by your side gently. Say speak, speak. Hallelujah. It is. It says, don't say I know. Speak to the bones. Tell them to connect one to another. So you see the corpses, the skeleton of the corpses began to locate each other. The Bible says there was a rattling. Are you getting this? There was a rattling and the bones began to, you know, connect themselves together intelligently in the right manner to form the right structure. And he said, prophesy, <laughs> that flesh will cover. Are you getting this? Oh, God. When teacher said, we are not really tapping into our full potential, it is true. Because seeing a lifeless being in front of you is startling enough. But seeing dry bones and imagining that those dry bones will live again is another dimension entirely. The bones come together, he prophesies, flesh covers them, and then this is, this, is, this is the big part. I don't know if man were to be God, he, he can allow you to speak to things and they happen, and they okay, the bones come together, that's good, my boy, and then the flesh covers them, that's good, my daughter. But the one thing you might be jealous of Is the control of the move of the spirit. The part that blows my mind is, as the flesh had covered these bones, and so they were lifeless corpses, he said, prophesy to the wind. Don't forget, this is how man was created. God breathed into his nostrils, and he became a living being. And now you're asking a human being to do that. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. I wish I could dwell on this. Let me tell you this. <laughs> you cannot be effective in ministry until you understand that it is your destiny to reveal God to the world. You must come to a point where you act as if there is no other way people can Find out about God and his power. Except by observing your life. Did you hear what I just said? That your life becomes the evidence of divinity.
Let me show you this. I don't <laughs> oh, yo, yo, yo. Colossians chapter 3. I don't even want to delve into this too much. Someone said, the evidence of the resurrection of Christ is not the empty tomb in Jerusalem. But the spirit of God in the heart of man. That's how they know he's alive. His activity, his influence in and through your life. Such that in Jerusalem, you never read in the Bible that after Jesus died, the disciples ever visited the tomb. To gather there and say, he's alive, amen. He's they, they never did that. They never visited the tomb for anything. That's not how they spent their Easter. The tomb was not a tourist site even in the early church. When the resurrection had just happened, it still didn't catch their attention. The moment they saw his... That, the angel challenged them, what are you doing here? Why are you looking for the living here? Are you getting this? That's God's mindset. The tomb has served its purpose. After those three days, no more use. If you're looking for God, he's in people now. He's in people now. Until you start thinking like that, I feel there's a dimension of power you will not see. That it's my destiny to prove to the world that Jesus is alive. Colossians chapter 3. Did I say chapter 3, chapter 2? Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. It says, For in him that is in Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Do you understand this? In Christ dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It means that now when you see Jesus, you don't have to look for God anymore. God has ordained that the man Jesus will be the revelation of the Godhead. Do you understand what I'm saying? In such a way that when you come to Christ, you don't now say, oh, thank you, sir. It's nice to know you. Now, can I know the Father? What about the Holy Spirit? Mm -mm. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. God, who had always been invisible, invisible to the eyes of any man, has revealed himself and has chosen only to reveal himself in the man Jesus. A man has become the revelation of God. A man. That when you get to heaven, you will see a man. The being behind everything, everything working in this world, a man. Are you getting this? And this is also telling you, it's giving you an idea of your destiny. Because that man is a Kigos, captain. Do you understand? He's, he's, don't worry. In him dwells all the fullness, Greek word, pleroma, 
of the Godhead bodily, verse 10, and you are plero in him. <laughs> and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principalities and power. I am full in him who is the fullness of all things. <laughs> he is the revel revelation of deity. I am and, and I am his ambassador on the earth. Understand the connection. I am so this is this is it. He's telling you in Christ there is nothing in the Godhead that is lacking. And he's saying in you there is nothing in Christ that is lacking. Let that sink in. <laughs> in Christ, there is nothing concerning divinity that is lacking. And in you, there is nothing in Christ that is lacking. So we can literally also say like Jesus, uh, why are you saying show us the Father? If you've seen us, you've seen the Father. One day I went to preach to someone. And as I walked close, the Lord said to me, ask her what she wants God to do for her. He was not talking about me. He was talking about himself, of course. <laughs> and then I asked her, and she told me. And the Lord said, give it to her. Are you getting what we're saying here? <laughs> it, it, has been, it has become our privilege, our responsibility to demonstrate God. So he's training us to act like him. Prophecy. Prophecy is one key characteristic of children of God. It makes us function like God. That's how God functions, through prophecy. Everything God ever did, he first said he would do. Are you getting this? Everything God ever did, he first of all said he would do. And so the Bible is a compendium of prophecy declared and fulfilled. That's what it is. And so if God tells us to prophesy, and our prophecy can count for something, that's God kind of stuff. You, you have to understand, this is big. This is not just charismatic exuberance. This is the privilege to walk like our father walks. Talk like our father talks. This is huge. That Jesus' life was so precise and organized because it was foretold. Everything was foretold. Everything was foretold. Where he'll be born, where he'll be dedicated, how he will grow. What people, the people he will encounter. Everything. And he says, you can prophesy also. Meaning I can influence my future. I can. 
this is, this is the only hope of mankind because you have to understand no matter how well you are doing today, tomorrow is not guaranteed. Naturally speaking. Naturally speaking. As far as nature is concerned, the fact that you are okay today does not mean tomorrow will be fine. It, it, that's, that's how life is. But now, now, we can prophesy. We get to prophesy. The future is no longer a surprise. <laughs> it's a program. Something you program. Hallelujah. Oh, you, you have to learn about this. And so Paul writes to the church at Corinth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, you know, I would to God that this will be the report of everyone here. He says, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given to you by Jesus Christ. That in everything, say with me, in everything, I am enriched by Him in all utterance and in all knowledge. Say that again, I'm enriched by Him. In all utterance and in all knowledge. Say that again, I'm enriched by him. In all utterance, in all knowledge. Hallelujah. And then next, he says, even as the testimony of Christ is confirmed in you. What a report to make of people. That the testimony of Christ, the story about Christ, the gospel... People have heard it. Well, is it true? We don't know. We don't know. But then they see your life and they say it's true. Hey! This is what spiritual growth is about. The right knowledge, the right utterance, the right actions. You know the right thing, you speak the right way, and you act in a manner that people say it is true. Jesus really rose from the dead. Are you getting this? It says the testimony of Christ is confirmed in you. And then there are many ways this happens, but he's speaking specifically. Don't forget the context here is utterance and knowledge. And then he says, so that you come behind in no gift, in no charismata, waiting for the coming of Christ. It is true the spiritual gifts that the testimony of Christ is confirmed by the miracles that we perform. By the arts, by the signs, by the wonders. It says, the way the testimony of Christ is confirmed is, you are not lagging behind. You know, local parlance will say, you are not dulling. <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't be found lagging behind pertaining to any gifts of the Spirit. Any charisma. You don't get to choose, okay, well, some say, Oh, I'm, I'm orthodox. We ask you a question. Do you speak in tongues? You say, I'm orthodox. Well, if you were orthodox, you will be charismatic. Because orthodoxy is concerned with making sure that the acts and the practices of a local assembly is aligned with that of the early church. And the early church was very charismatic. And so, if you are orthodox, you must be charismatic. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, well, you're orthodox. That's more reason you should speak in tongues. Any orthodoxy that is not charismatic is, is not orthodoxy. 
If you are orthodox, you will really want to do ministry and church the way the early church did it. Hallelujah. That you come behind in no gifts, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when it comes, gifts will not be necessary anymore. What, what do you want to reveal with word of knowledge? Everybody knows. In the spirit realm, there are no secrets. Did you hear what I said? In the spirit realm, that's why many times we have a rub off and we just know things. We just know. We just know things. It says we know in part, we prophesy in part. When Christ comes, what we know in part will be perfected. Will be perfected in knowledge. So now is the time. Now is the time. Which sick do you want to heal in heaven? So now it says don't come behind in any gift waiting for the coming of Christ. It's, it's as if he's telling you this is your only chance to do this stuff. Use it. Use it. But don't forget, he's introducing a book. One of the major things he was going to do in that book is to talk on tongues and prophecy. And so early enough, in the address of the letter, he says, I thank my God for you guys. You come behind in no gifts. He's going to correct them later. But he at least commends them. All right. You're getting it right by being particular about utterance, specifically tongues. And it says, the testimony of Christ is confirmed in you. You see, this is what people need to know about tongues. A lot of people say, oh, is it necessary? What does it do? You know, a lot of people try to say, we know a lot of great people in the world who did great for God and never spoke in tongues. They start mentioning names. And I'm like, okay, congratulations. Thank you for revealing to us that God was so unwise to make available a possibility and a spiritual gift that we don't really need. At least that's the point you're trying to make. It doesn't matter who didn't speak in tongues. They were wrong. And you see, it is not just for show. He says, this supernatural utterance is the confirmation of the testimony of Christ. Can I tell you this? There is no other spiritual gift that is a direct confirmation of the testimony of Christ. All other spiritual gifts, you see them manifest before Jesus died and rose again. There is only one gift that is possible because Jesus is glorified. What gift is that? Even Judas healed the sick. He went out with the eleven, the other eleven, and he, when Christ sent them, he healed the sick. But there is one spiritual gift that you, if you see anybody manifest, he's only manifesting it because he believes the gospel and that's a confirmation of the testimony of Christ. The tongues gift. Look at Acts chapter 2. If you're with me, say, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Acts chapter 2. You know what had happened? You know, there was commotion in the upper room and then people were speaking in tongues, staggering, and, and people wanted to know what was happening. And after the many explanations that Peter had given in verse 32, he says, this Jesus had God raised up whereof we are all witnesses 
Everybody read verse 33 together. One, two, go. Do you see this? It says, therefore, being at the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which you now see and hear. He's explaining why they could speak in other tongues. I can speak in tongues. My friends can speak in tongues because Jesus is glorified. There is no other spiritual gift that directly points to the glorified Christ. None. So, I don't know what the, the image of tongue speakers was to you. You know, maybe when you saw people on the road, you know, you say, oh, they are here, not them, or something, you know. But think about it. Every time I speak in tongues, I'm demonstrating that Jesus is glorified. Think about that. I'm demonstrating he's alive. He's alive, you see. This is proof. Hallelujah. Now that's huge. If you tell me anything to do to demonstrate the glorified Christ, I'm all in. I'm all in on it. Anybody who doesn't take any activity serious that demonstrate that Christ is glorified, you know, if you see any such person, don't take the person seriously. What I said is enough for you to say, ah, from today, I will speak in tongues. Yeah. In open and in secret, I will speak in tongues. When I'm walking to the office, I will speak in tongues. When I'm driving, I will speak in tongues. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. testimony of Christ is confirmed <laughs> in you. Imagine that he said about you. That you're confirming the testimony of Christ. You can. And that's one thing that tongues does for us. Say loud amen. So the next time someone says, why tongues? Give them that as an answer. The tongue gift is a confirmation of the testimony of Christ. It is also the testimony of the salvation of a believer. It is true that not every believer speaks in tongues. That, that's, it's not meant to be, but because some people are poorly taught, they've heard some poor teaching, so you might find one or two of or more believers who have been saved but don't speak in tongues. So it is true that you can find believers who don't speak in tongues. But if you see someone speak in tongues, it's because he's saved. It's because he's saved. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils they shall speak with new tongues. Are you with me, someone? Mark 16, 17. It's a sign. Jesus is telling you, this is how you will know them. They will speak with tongues. It's a powerful testimony. 
Hallelujah. What is speaking in tongues? The reason why we have to address this is because, and by the way, I got such a powerful testimony. You know, there's, there's a guy in school, very vibrant young guy, but he got involved in the doctrine of a particular Christian sect. And a lot of things changed, including his view of tongues. So he stopped speaking in tongues. You know, and I'd been seeing some things that he had posted, just, you know, and he visited my house. So after we had gisted about everything, I said, hey, I opened the Bible. Hallelujah. And I said, let's talk about this. And we spoke for about an hour. I allowed him to talk first. And then I started, you know. And when I was done, he was quiet. He said, he said, first of all, he said, this is the most brilliant exposition on the tongues gift that I've ever heard. He said, what you're saying, he just didn't want to accept immediately. So he said, just give me time. Let me go and think about it, and, you know. And so weeks ago, he sent me a DM, and he said, oh, by the way, I'm speaking in tongues now. Hallelujah. He had, he had been a serious prayer case, so serious that when I told my wife, this brother said he speaks in tongues now. My wife said, what? You read it? You mean it? I'm going to thank God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. You see, in Acts chapter 2, the story there suggests that what speaking in tongues is, is people receiving supernatural ability to speak human languages that they never learned naturally. First of all, do I believe that that's something God can do? Emphatically. <laughs> Emphatically. But th there are a lot of things. To, you, you see, you can't hold that view and still believe that the Bible is coherent and consistent at the same time. You cannot. So, let's do this. We're going to come back to Acts 2, but let's start from 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14. Let me tell you this. If you watch the news often, and there is a big news, God forbid a building was raised, set ablaze, or something like that. Journalists are very interested in knowing what happened. But many times they don't immediately get someone directly involved to tell them what happened. So they just get story sources. And they tell you things like, um, how do they put it? Sources say, eyewitnesses say, or something like that. Not even eyewitnesses. Eyewitnesses is someone who experienced it. You know, 
So they, 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 they'll put it in a way that allows them to correct it later. Do you understand? You have to understand, who wrote the book of Acts? Luke, we talked about him yesterday. Luke got born again much later. Luke was the companion of Paul. Paul, not Peter. Paul the apostle. Luke was not in the upper room. He was not anywhere around there. You have to understand this. And so, he did the work of a journalist. He went about, he got the stories, he documented. So, you have to understand, when it comes to biblical interpretation, a lot of people think, oh, the Bible is the word of God. Everywhere is the word of God. It's not true. The word of God is what you get when the Bible is properly exegeted. Not every word in the Bible is the word of God. There are words in the Bible that are words of Satan. Satan's words were documented there. Are you getting that? Is that simple enough? Do you understand that? So, when it comes to biblical interpretation, you have to understand, okay, he went around, Peter, uh, Luke went around, getting journalistic accounts. This is what they said happened. This is where they went. Or this is what they heard. But Paul, as an apostle, not just an apostle, the one on whom the responsibility to lay out the foundation of Christian doctrine, that, that responsibility was on him. He's telling you about tongues. That tells you that what you read in 1 Corinthians 14 is more authoritative than what you see in Acts 2. True or false? It's just like something happened. And they were like, oh, maybe two people fought. And then the, the journalist saying, uh, report reaching us says that um, Pastor Oge, God forbid, <laughs> gave Pastor Femi a punch and what were they fighting about? They were fighting about bread. <laughs> and there are several, you said it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> Another foodie alert. <laughs> you know, so, and now, you know, so there are several reports around. Even in secondary school, you don't you used to hear different gists, different perspectives to the same story. And sometimes you never really find out what really happened. And so now, Pastor Oge came and said, it is not bread we were fighting about. It was shoes or something. Hallelujah. So that's the perspective now. So Paul the Apostle wants to explain tongues to us. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. Verse 2 is so conclusive, when you read this, you can go home. End of story. It says, For he who speaks in the tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Everybody read it together. One, two, go. 
So, there's a lot of buzzwords going on here. Number one, misconception. Tongues is for evangelism. What people are doing today is wrong. Tongues is what you do when you travel to China and you never learned Mandarin and then the Spirit of God just helps you, you know, and you hear, you know. You know. They say, that's tongues. <laughs> but, but Paul now tells you, he that speaks in tongues does not speak to men. <laughs> he that speaks in tongues does not what? Speak to men, but to God. He tells you why. It says, for no man understands him. If you ever speak in tongues, and anybody understands you by his own natural faculty, it was not tongues you spoke. Are you following me? No man understands him, howbeit in the spirit. So, I am doing something that makes no logical Practical sense, not logical, stay with logical, you know, but in the spirit, I'm speaking mysteries. What's a spirit? What's a mystery? Something that needs explanation, interpretation. So tongues needs interpretation. It's a mystery. If you present tongues the way it is, it's a mystery to, to men. You need to interpret, you need to exegete, you need to explain. Verse 6, but now brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? Think about that. If tongues was in human languages, this statement is absolutely wrong. Whether you profit me, we'll have a very solid conversation. If I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by teaching. Hallelujah. It, it doesn't profit you. And he tells you why. Verse 7. You know, <laughs> the word translated revelation, by the way, is apocalypsis. Something disclosed, you know, something, to disclose something hidden. Do you understand? So when it says, except I speak to you by revelation, means except I interpret what I said in tongues. Let's move on. He lets you know how clueless you will be if someone speaks in tongues to you. In verse 7, it says, even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? So he's saying, okay, forget language. If this was just about sounds, he said even trumpets, there is a particular way you will blow a trumpet and the interpretation of that sound is battle is coming. Those of you who have attended NYSE, for instance, remember? Da, da, exactly. And now, based on that sound, 
You know that's stress. <laughs> They're about to stress your life again. But even sounds that are not intelligent in themselves, if they are, if they are made in a distinctive manner, communication can still be achieved. But he says, if it's done without distinction, how shall it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise, unless you utter by a tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken of? For you will be speaking to the what? If you try to communicate with people when you're speaking in tongues, you are speaking to the air. So the notion that tongues is for evangelism, that is totally shattered. Hallelujah. Verse 10. It says, there are, may, there are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner. Pay attention. He's still explaining tongues. I shall be a foreigner to he who speaks. He who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he interprets. Let he who speaks in tongues pray that he interprets. Tongues will always require interpretation. If you spoke and someone just said, ah, you're speaking my language, no be tongues be that. It's a miracle, not tongues. It says, if I speak in tongues to you, I am like a foreigner. It's as if a foreigner is speaking to you. <laughs> You'll be clueless. I'm speaking to the air. Howbeit, in the spirit, I'm speaking mysteries. Is this clear? Verse 19. Yet in church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words with a tongue. Now, a lot of people have used this to say, oh, you see what people do? Speaking in tongues together at the same time is wrong. Whenever you're speaking in tongues, you must always interpret. Otherwise, let us keep quiet. <laughs> Everywhere people spoke in tongues in the Bible, they spoke in tongues together. Everywhere. Everywhere. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19, they spoke in tongues at the same time. They were filled with the Spirit and they spoke in tongues. So what he's saying here is delivering a sermon or trying to communicate in tongues. In tongues. He says, as far as it concerns edifying the church, Words easy to be understood are more important. And by the way, he says, if there is no interpreter to deliver the message, he says, let him keep quiet. He didn't just say keep quiet. He says, let him keep quiet and speak to himself and to God. You see that? So, there is an aspect of tongues that involves just me and God. You know, I'm speaking in tongues in church and you look at me and say, you interpret now, what are you saying? Am I talking to you? <laughs> Hallelujah. 
It says, he didn't say, keep quiet. Don't speak. He said, keep, let him speak to himself and to God. The only aspect of tongues that necessitates interpretation is communication. If I want to communicate with you, I must either interpret tongues or speak in a language you understand. That's what he's saying. Not that people cannot speak in tongues together in a group. That's what happened in Acts 2. Praise the Lord. Let's read three more verses and we move on. Verse 23. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak in tongues, first of all, does that not contradict the notion that we, we cannot all speak in tongues at the same time? If the whole church comes together in one place and how many speak in tongues? Uh-huh. <laughs> and they're coming those who are uninformed or unbelievers. Will they not say you are out of your mind? This is another thing you must know about tongues. When someone who has no religious experience sees you speaking in tongues, he will think you are mad. But there is nothing mad about you speaking a language he understands. You see that? Even if he never knew you understood the language. When you speak the language, you say, oh, you speak my language. I never knew. End of story. He would never say, ah, you speak my language. Ah, you must be mad. What's that? <laughs> Makes no sense. <laughs> oh, you speak Yoruba. Mad. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. If he's talking about the suspicion of madness, there must be elements of madness in this in this communication mad people are incoherent in their speech incoherent are we making sense now all right he says but if all prophesy and all the unbelievers or uninformed come in they'll be convinced by all convicted of all all right let's just move in so what is tongues tongues is a divine language it's a divine language that sounds like gibberish to the natural man. But it's a communication of divine mysteries to God or from God. Again, tongues is a divine language that sounds like gibberish to the natural man. But it's a communication of divine mysteries to God or from God. From 1 Corinthians 14, we can conclude that that's what tongues is. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. When it comes to Acts 2, there are a lot of questions. You have to understand, Luke wasn't as bothered about doctrine at that particular instance, as it was about telling you the reports of people. That's the journalists. Even, listen, even if the journalist knows what is correct, sometimes he will tell you what people said. Are you getting what I'm saying? Simple principles of journalism. It's a simple principle of journalism. He will tell you the reports of people. But that story, there are a lot of question marks to it. So people were in an upper room, 120 people, 
speaking at the same time. If 10 people speak at the same time, what will you hear? Nothing. You just hear, hmm. Do you remember what your classroom sounds like in secondary school when everybody's making noise? How many were you, were you in your class? In my class, we were 30. When 30 people are talking, you will just hear, that's what you will hear. But according to the story in Acts chapter 2, 120 people were talking at the same time. And people down were like, ah, ah, is that not my language? They are not like, ah, ah, is that not my <laughs> Guys, <laughs> what type of ear do you have? The fascination, if that was true, then the fascination should not be about what the people in the upper room were saying, but the type of ear those guys had. What type of ear is that? 120 people talking at the same time, then you're hearing. This <laughs> gist story. Did you notice that when Peter was giving his response, okay, the, according to the eyewitness account, oh, people were hearing people speaking in their different language, and then some said, these are drunk. So it looked like the accusation of drunkenness was not the popular opinion. But that was the only thing Peter addressed. He said nothing about the claim that they were speaking human languages. Nothing. Nothing. Why didn't he address it? A lot of questions. Are you getting this? Because now, what Peter said, we can trust and believe. But Peter did not even respond to people who were claiming, ah, we heard you speaking. Another thing you need to understand about miracles is people tend to exaggerate it. Sometimes I hear the miracles that people say I did and I'm astonished. So it is not strange for people to be downstairs, hear people speaking in tongues, and say, ah, they, they will ex extrapolate it and just blow it out of proportion. I say, they were even speaking our native language. It, it makes sense to me. Hallelujah. Someone said, I heard you can disappear and appear anytime you want. Ah. I said, I said, it's not true. I wish. I wish, actually, like, will I have that gift and be using flight ticket, paying you know how much airline is? Me, my wife, and children, we just close our eye, hold our hand together, poof, just show up here. I'll be making money transporting people also. You say, Arik will waste your time, oh. You will come sharply. How much do you have? How much do you have? Okay, 50k last. <laughs> People exaggerate these things. Hallelujah. <laughs> so let's look at what Peter said. By the way, the accusation of drunkenness tallies more with what the Bible says about tongues in other places. Paul said, they will say you are mad. Acts 2, they said they are drunk. Paul thought the accusation of drunkenness needed explanation because there were indeed physical characteristics that tallied with drunkenness a little. The when, have you seen a drunk man before? How did you know he was drunk? Did you measure the alcohol level in his system? 
Do you need to do that? How do you know a, a, a person is drunk? The, the, from the talking, you know, he, he'll, be, he'll be saying, he'll be joining information. You know? Hallelujah. At a camp meeting, some guy went to, I don't know what he drank. And the parade had ended. We saw only him. <laughs> left. left. <laughs> you know, and I won't tell you what he was wearing because <laughs> he was not properly dressed at all. Emphasis on at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so <laughs> left, right. <laughs> hey, God. You know, so, and then you see some will fall in the gutter, they're, they're staggering. My friend wanted to say hello to someone. He was coming like this. The person wanted to hug him. Hey, how you doing? Ah, uh, guy, I'm here. Now, God, you did so. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, you, 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 the, you, the staggering and the incoherent speech. Peter wasn't angry that they called them drunk. He knew that from the physical characteristics, they, they could likely miss it. So he just explained. He did the Bible teaching. Taught them from the book of Joel. Are you with me? That's not the only time. Look at Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. Read it together. One, two, go. Read it again, want to go. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled. Now, why, why is he putting it side by side? He seems to be presenting to them an alternative. A way to get high without damaging your body. <laughs> Hallelujah. Be not drunk with wine wearing his excess, but be filled. Filled with the Spirit. And I think that's what you should know about Acts 2. But you see, that's not where I'm going. One thing you must know about spiritual gifts generally is that they are meant to benefit others. Spiritual gifts fundamentally. Yes, you can be edified when you speak in tongues. You edify yourself and all of that. But spiritual gifts generally have a fabric. A way they are fundamentally to function. Hallelujah. So Paul says, seek to excel for the edification of the church. That should be your goal. And as long as edification is your focus, then prophecy, a lot of people say prophecy is more important than tongues. And they say that to downplay tongues. And I'm just like, what right do you have? Which one of them did you gift the church? 
as important as the healing gift is, it's not impossible that you find yourself in a meeting where coincidentally nobody is sick. A gift is as important as the needs that are present. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if the aim is to excel for the edification of the church, then the ones that people can benefit from should have priority. That's what he was trying to say. So he's saying, prophecy, he that prophesies is greater than he that speaks in tongues. That's what he's saying. Because he's more needed. He's more relevant in terms of meeting needs in the body. And that's why he says, let he that prays in tongues pray that he interprets. And that also tells you that praying in tongues and interpreting equals prophecy. Equals prophecy. That's prophecy. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 actually says, Pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you prophesy. He knows that these people were into tongues and all of that, but he's trying to tell them the importance of excelling in the edification of the church. And he says, well, you need to prophesy. You need to prophesy. Listen, not as many people interpret tongues in the body of Christ. The reason why many people speak in tongues anyway is because some people in the body have emphasized it. Just imagine the body of Christ. You take away Kenneth Hagin's impact on tongues alone. Kenneth Hagin alone. You just remove it. <laughs> the, the body of Christ will be naked. So anything that you see thriving in the body is the product of the labor and the emphasis of someone. Do you understand what I'm saying? And one thing we will emphasize in our own generation is interpretation. Do you get where this is going? Someone has gifted the body of Christ with teachings on tongues. We also must emphasize interpretation. Let me tell you this. And this is the part that caught my attention. You see, when... <laughs> oh, glory to God. By the way, it is by the same spirit that you speak in tongues that you interpret. If you could trust the spirit enough to give you utterance to speak in tongues, you can trust the spirit to interpret. And many times you have had the interpretation of tongues you just didn't know. You spoke in tongues to, to an extent. Just, just like yesterday morning, I told you, I just began to hear Catherine, you know, you know things like that. Come. For, for some of you, it might just be a word that, um, an everyday word, like joy, joy, your progress. Oh, growing, growing. But you didn't know that was the interpretation. You thought you were speaking in tongues, and then you come back, you know, and speak normal language. But you didn't know. But what you were speaking in, in your normal language, you did not plan to say until you started speaking in tongues. But you did not know that that was interpretation because you have a wrong view of tongues. Of interpretation of tongues. It is interpretation of tongues, not translation of tongues. Because one word came out, you were just saying, oh, fatherance, fatherance, fatherance. Because it was one word. You said, ah, I said 
20 syllables in tongues. So this cannot be the interpretation. And it's because you don't understand. You, you think tongues is Yoruba. Kabo, welcome. So that's what you're using to judge. Let me show you an example. In Daniel chapter 5, in Daniel chapter 5, one king decided to mess up. Quite all right. The children of Israel are in bondage in your country, in Babylon. And they're in bondage because they sinned against God. And so God, you know, allowed you to plunder them. And, you know, but he got carried away. He was with his girlfriends. And they said, oh, those special golden cups that the Israelites used to use in the whole, most holy place to serve tables. Go and bring it. Let us drink wine. <laughs> so he brought those, you know, because those things were fine, golden. Let's, this party is about to be lit. So he brought the golden cup, put wine I was drinking with his girlfriends. <laughs> After a while, he saw a hand. <laughs> he didn't see the rest of the body. He saw a hand. The hand just wrote on the wall, mene, mene, take care of us. You know, he did not know the interpretation, but he knew I'm in trouble. He just, uh, 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 this is trouble. <laughs> this is trouble. And he really wanted to know what it meant. So he got Daniel. Look at Dan Daniel chapter 5. All right. Are you with me? Oh, this, is, this will bless you. And Daniel begins to interpret. Verse 25. Pay attention. This will help you, or at least give you a clue regarding interpretation of tongues. It says, and this is the writing that was written. Many, many take of a sin. And this is the interpretation of the thing. Many means what? Everybody read together. I want to go. You see that? One word. Are you getting this? One word means God had numbered your kingdom and finished it. Many. <laughs> Many. What about Tekel? One to go. What about Paris? You see that? So don't start thinking, oh, I said long rows of stuff. You are count, counting the syllables. The interpretation might be longer or shorter. You are not the one to determine that. What is more, more important is for you to know that when you are praying, the Holy Spirit puts desires in your heart. And as you begin to birth them in prayers and begin to pray, he's going to bring to, to your knowledge what you're praying about. You ought to know. You ought to know. And if you've been praying in the Spirit long enough, let interpretation become the new normal for you. You will bring direction to your life. You will bring, I mean, you just, I, my life is beautiful. I have to be honest with you. I know, okay, I just know. It's time to go to Abuja. Oh, it's time to come back. What a way to live. 
September, I knew, I said, my work here requires two more months. Hallelujah. What a way to live. This is, this is the type of life that tongues and interpretation will birth. You, you, you pray and then direction, instructions, you know. And one thing is, if you pray in tongues and interpret, these things are connected. It's just like medicine. Your, your physical body. If something damages, God forbid, your ear, it can affect your eye. Because these things are connected. If you get this one right, you will see visions more. You will see, if you pray in tongues and interpret, it will get to a point, boom! You will start saying things. People will carry screens on their chests. I know what I'm saying. If you don't know, don't worry. Screens on their forehead. Secrets will be in their eyes. You will see numbers. Places to go. Things to do. This is how we can do the work of God on earth. You need to learn this stuff. We have to know. Because we function by the move of the spirit. We are not watching weather reports. We are not watching the news to know what to do, where to go. You have to learn to follow the leading of the Spirit. This is how. It's our advantage. You need to learn this one. I mean, if you get this one right, you can say, I took something home from reboot camp. And this one is more important than a healing because if you're healed, you may still be sick later. Another one may come. But if you learn this, you have you have you have go, you just know you're taking home a tool that can change your life let me tell you something in the old testament when god speaks to a people and they don't understand it was judgment it means they are rebellious and so in hearing you will hear and not understand in seeing, you will see and not perceive. In the realm of the spirit, it is judgment for God to be communicating something that you don't understand. The children of God are not meant to have that experience. Did you hear what I said? Even when Paul was teaching in tongues, he gave that example. Let me show it to you. First Corinthians fourteen twenty one. First Corinthians fourteen twenty one. It says, "In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips I will speak to these people, and yet they will, yet for all that they will not hear me," says the Lord. He was quoting Isaiah twenty eight eleven, and in Isaiah twenty eight eleven, he's saying. The children of Israel, I have told you the same thing many times. You didn't listen. So now, I'm going to watch as rebel countries come and plunder you. And by the time you find yourself in slavery, <laughs> in a foreign language, and the people who enslave you are speaking foreign tongues to you, you will not understand them. And your inability to understand them is my judgment. Because I'm 
by what they are telling you, you know we've strayed, we've sinned. But even that you cannot perceive. Are you getting this? And so by him using that to talk about tongues, on one hand he explains tongues actually sounds like gibberish to the natural man. But on the other hand, he tells you that as a believer, I should at least pray and desire to understand what I'm saying. Is that simple enough? Oh, Israel, I've told you time and again, you won't listen. There's a way God treats reprobates. When he tries to communicate and you don't listen, then he gives you up. And he's not tra- his, his aim is no longer to communicate. Akin to Jesus speaking parables. And he's telling you, I could have explained it, but I did not. Because I know their hearts. They're not really listening. They're they not really willing to understand. So I will just say it in a manner that... That's judgment. In the spirit realm, it is judgment for God to communicate his will and you don't understand it. That should be the experience of the rebellious alone. But for you, uh-uh, uh-uh, praise the Lord. Dark your astrophrase. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So you're going to pray in the spirit just for a while. First of all, you, as you pray, you have just a few minutes. As you pray, you are going to be conscious of the influence of the Spirit. And as you do, through visions and through nudges and through words of interpretation, secrets will be revealed. And so what I want you to see you doing is writing. Writing writing. A time will come you will have such a sense of direction. Such a ah, this is how this ministry was birthed though. There were many things I knew without learning. I just prayed and the Lord will say I will finish writing and I have I will finish praying and I have seven things to do. It always worked. It's an advantage in life. Hallelujah. Can I tell you something? As long as I pray in tongues, I will always improve. It's the story of my life. I'm always steadily and consistently improving. If you watch carefully, that is the story of my life. Yeah, there is some hard work and efforts to it, but the real secret is the spiritual advantage. There are some things I, I just know. I just know. The Spirit of God has made me so wise. So wise. Glory to God. Are you ready for this? How can you be dating someone for so long and not know you have made a mistake? It's an error. Listen, and as long as you are comfortable with it, your life will keep going in that direction. I need, I'm supposed to know the will of God for my life. I'm supposed to. 
You know, there's one of you who said, ah, I'm in a fix. I don't really know if I should do this. I, I said, are you coming for a reboot camp? Chill, 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 chill. We'll sit there. Some of you are like, to do masters or to get a job? We're about to fix that. You don't understand what I'm saying. You know, when <laughs> I graduated from school, strong call on my life, I knew that our ministry was going to grow fast because of the visions I had seen. But my wife was like, <laughs> she, I will not ask for permission to tell you this. this you know? She was like, ah, this engagement ring is turning to kill you. <laughs> you know, you have to do something. Yeah, so you're going to get a job. So, I mean, I said, okay. I went in, I prayed, the Holy Ghost said, clearly, call this person. So I called. I needed a job that would give me some free time. I knew I, I wasn't going to do it for long. So I was even willing to teach in a school. So I said, oh, uh, hello, ma. I would like to teach um, technical drawing in your school. The woman said, ah, the technical drawing teacher just resigned last week. Are you listening to me? He said, just resigned last week. That's my life. Oh. See, it was, listen to this. It was the same day she told me to get a job. The same day. The same day. My life has always been like that. You know, during, when it was time for IT, my parents were bothering me, you know. Uh, won't you go and get a place to a placement and all of that? They just kept and I just knew I'm I'm if you know me, I'm very proactive, hardworking, and all of that. But this particular situation, God had told me that He had settled it. So days later, <laughs> one way, one way, someone just Talk to someone outside. They were gisting about something else. Mentioned, oh, oh, you work here. My son is even looking for. I said, oh, really? Ah, no problem. We will send him letter. So I got the letter. They sent a staff from the office, NMPC, to my house to give me letter, inviting me to to come and do IT with them. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I mentioned the company so that you will know the magnitude of the testimony. So after a while, I looked at it. I got another offer which was bigger. So I didn't go. They called me. They said, you didn't come. I said, no. And I said, they said, why? I said, well, Jelosbega has transportation. They said, come, we'll give you transport. It was, it was not as if they were. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do you believe in this at all? Yeah. Prophecy makes life easy. It makes life easy. Jesus' life was so precise. Was so precise. And by prophecy, you can be in a manger. And people looking for you will still find you. You have to understand what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not talking about advertising yourself, going to play. Our church is strange. A lady shared a testimony in Abuja. She saw the flyer of our church. My face, my wife's face, the logo, 
in Christ, for Christ with joy. Everything. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? Saw the logo. So, hallelujah. Imagine you enter a boardroom or an interview room and then the interviewer dreamt about you. See, these are things to exploit. You know, there was, there was, there was someone who was offended with me, you know, and I was misunderstood, so I didn't like it. So I prayed. And then the person came and said, I dreamt an angel told me to forgive you. I said, yeah, really. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is your life. This is your life. Precision. Say precision. That's my life. You know, Paul, Paul saw in a vision, people from Macedonia coming, telling them, come, come and, come and bring the word to us. That's how to do ministry. Not that you just look for, okay, where are rich people? <laughs> or where, you are using human tactics. Hallelujah. So I, I want to give you a few minutes to arrange things a little, you know, just a few placements. Ha, 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 ha. Remember, this time around, you're going to be very conscious of the influence of the Spirit as you do it. Are you ready? Rise to your feet. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings. Blessings.